Hello everyone, it's Friday night and it's weekender time once more. This week's show, I'm joined by Warren, Ben and Free as we take a gloomy look at the fantastical world of tabletop hobby. Now sit back and relax because your weekend starts here. There we go. <laughs> it was straight in, dudes. Boom. No preamble this week. No anticipation. <laughs> just deafening from the get-go. That's cool. how you yeah. do it. Yeah. You weren't expecting that, were you? No, we weren't expecting that. You know, but we have else to tell you, so let's go for it. <laughs> there we go. Just mark that down. But yeah, uh, I guess we'll dive straight in then, I suppose. Yeah. Absolutely. We haven't yeah. got any updates this week. No, no, you. we're fine. Nothing we're... in particular to tell yeah. you. But there's loads of awesome things happening in the wargaming community and the tabletop community in general. So let's just dive in and have a, have a chat about it. So a lot of people will remember. Oh, sorry. I picked it this week. Yeah, oh right okay i was wondering yeah all right okay this yeah. this will be interesting is there going to be dwarves or badgers in this one no it's none of those things which is kind of awesome so yeah and it's also no miniatures well not really but yeah there's a little bit of 3d printing involved which is kind of cool. um so uh everyone knows gloomhaven right you know the massively top selling mm-hmm. board game of all time on uh bgg hit the yeah. hot list everything like that isaac children's basically set himself up for life <laughs> by making that game it may have you know burned away many years of his soul but he managed to get it out there <laughs> for everyone to dive into and obviously they're coming out with Frosthaven in the near future as well which was the other massive game yeah. set in the gloomhaven franchise however one of the cool things about gloomhaven is that it's sort of engendered a community that is very into the idea of creating quirky bits and pieces that'll be sort of bolted onto the game, uh, sort of fan-made expansions and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Most of the time that involves just a lot of quests and stuff, like sort of one-off quests or one-off heroes and that kind of thing. Maybe people sort of taking Gandalf <laughs> and like putting you over a character and be like, how would you make Gandalf and all that kind of stuff. You know, the typical kind of things you'd see when you're setting yeah. up like a, a fantasy adventure game. Well, there's one group of people, uh, which is called Adax Games, uh, well, now they're called Alex Games. Before that, they were basically just a huge Gloomhaven collective who set about making the most awesome fan-made expansion to Gloomhaven they could. So this is unofficial, as you can see there, but it is a astronomically big expansion to the normal Gloomhaven that has a full narrative campaign. Oh, wow. Loads of choices and consequences and all those kind of things in like that. 11 new classes that have all been designed so that they match the game. The artist is the same artist who worked oh, on nice. Alexander Elechev, who has done an amazing set of work, as you can see here, uh, for these as well. All of those classes and all of those models have then been given models as well. So that you've got 3D printable models you can download to put in the little boxes to hide from your friends until you unlock them (laughs) by doing their fellowship quest, which is pretty awesome, right? Um, And then on top of all of that, every single other element of this game is put together. All the item cards, all the armor, all the weapons, quest cards, all the enemies, 
everything you could want to extend your Gloomhaven time has been included as part of this. Um, and one of the cool things about this as well, and this is the thing that I really like, is that they've split them up into these different, these three different sort of spheres here. So you have low complexity characters for those people who have maybe played Jaws of the Lion, which is the official sort of prequel, I guess, to Gloomhaven. And you just want to carry on and play with some funky new characters that are very easy to use. You've got midweight stuff for those people who have maybe started off their Gloomhaven journey, but want to kind of like drop things in here and there. And then you've got the very complex characters for those people who have completed Gloomhaven, like me. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and those that want to sort of play around with mechanics in a very different way, which I think Lesson. is really cool. Like it's got horny things, you know. Yeah. I'm glad that Lesson is now. I'm, glad, I'm so glad that Lesson's a meme. Um, <laughs> um, the other or really awesome thing about this is that they've taken all the design cues from Isaac Childress who created Gloomhaven and they've worked that into everything that they've put together for Crimson oh. Scales. So there's really fascinating, interesting scenarios uh, that are all based around not just slaughtering enemies in Dungeon Delves, but also, you know, doing objectives and all that kind of thing as you go through. And that's all then, as I say, tied into this sort of ongoing narrative that flows throughout this expansion. Uh, they'll take you on an entirely different story from the one that you had in Gloomhaven. The other really awesome thing about this is that say you have all of your Gloomhaven characters and your Jaws of the Lion characters, and you want to use them in this, They've balanced Crimson Scale so that you can use all of those characters in this, and all of these characters can be used in Gloomhaven and Jaws of the Lion. That's awesome. At the same time. That's as I fantastic. Say, like, so much love and care wow. and attention has gone into this uh, that it kind of blows my mind. Um, you can get all of this physically if you want. Uh, I'll just go mm. through the digital. So digitally, yeah. you can access the game um, either by downloading all the bits and pieces you want, uh, and then printing them off at home if, you, if, if, that, if that's where you want to do it. Or you can play it through TTS if you want to like solely play it um, digital, which is kind of awesome. If you want everything printed lovingly, you can actually, they are actually doing printings for this game, which mm -hmm. is really cool. So you, I think they've gone through their first printing quite recently and they're going to move on to the second printing uh, in, in the near future, which I think is really nice. Um, so if you want all of those things printed off really lovingly as you see there with nice card back and all that kind of thing they are going to be able to facilitate that as well which i think is really awesome um but yeah you've got the str miniatures there as well you can go and check out it's really awesome if you click on the painted gallery you can see some of the characters that they've done and stuff um for this because one of the night one of the cool things about um what i really liked about what they did with with the the evolution of the characters here is that they're not they weren't tied to the kind of things that Childress was when he started out. So he was had kind of fairly basic sculpts for a lot of the miniatures. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they were okay, but they had money details and all that kind of thing. Obviously, with Blue Addax, well, sorry, with Addax and what they've done here with the game, uh, they've been able to draw in people and professionals who are, like, really, really amazing 3D sculptors, and they've created fantastic-looking characters for using your games. And the other the really nice thing, again, sort of taking on that kind of Gloomhaven thing is that they're so different from anything you've probably ever played with. Like Gloomhaven is so great in that it doesn't really have like elves and dwarves and all that kind of thing. They have weird, crazy yeah. crab creatures that <laughs> like fighting. You have guys that are made out of crystal. You have rock men. You have beings of pure light and all this kind of thing that are included in this game. In this game. Uh, and so they've really ran with, you know, what Childress put down as part of Gloomhaven and created something that I think is probably... 
if not the top, near the top of like a fan-made creation for a game. Mm. Um, because That's incredible. Every, exactly. Because, because everyone's waiting so long for Frosthaven at the moment, it was meant to be oh, yeah. 20, but obviously pandemic and, and all these kind of things. They're still probably not going to be coming out until the end of next year or something like that. Having something like Crimson Scales to fill the gap, I think is brilliant. Um, because it keeps people ticking over. It, maybe you completely Gloomhaven, let me or Jaws of the Line, and you want to have a little bit more of an extra adventure. Maybe you and your group pool your resources to get something printed in a really nice mm. way and all that kind of thing as well. What's even what, what blew my mind even more than this? I was looking through this and we were talking to the guy who uh, was one of the team with Crimson Scales at uh, UKG. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just telling me all about this and all that kind of thing, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up, just so we could kind of give a little bit, you know, some props to this this group that has done this, this yeah. amazing collective. They've also done an expansion for this. <laughs> an expansion right. of the expansion. Yeah. So Crimson Scales is the expansion <laughs> to Gloomhaven, but there's another expansion called Trails of Ashes, which is in the process of being created, which is the expansion to Crimson Scales. So if you want to continue the story with the characters that you see here for longer, they're doing that as well. And again, this is one of those that it, things that is, you know, totally okay, recognized so and supported by children. You can really let, me, say. let me just clear up some of the basics here. I just want, because I, I just want to get the, the, get my head around this. So I have Gloomhaven yeah, on, yeah, the, yeah. on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. I can get this Crimson Scales yeah. for free. Yeah, just download it and, and start. I can just download it and print and play myself. The the, the print out the bits. Mm-hmm. I can download the STLs for free and print them out and just print them stick them into e-boxes and stuff like that to, yeah. Yeah. to surprise my players. Mm-hmm. Or I can order it whenever their print run. Yeah, so they available. are doing occasional print runs and that kind of thing to fund. I can order it and then just and have, it, have it shipped in. Mm-hmm. I've downloaded it, I've printed it out, so I mm-hmm. can play through Gloomhaven and then when I'm yep. finished... I can then pick it up from here and play this as an expansion. Yeah, you could use your same characters from Gloomhaven and carry them through and unlock the new characters, or you could just use some of these new characters if you wanted straight away. It's up to you. You could switch wow. it up. So yeah, yeah. And then when I'm done that, there's another expansion of this expansion that's on the way. That's also going to be free, and I can download and print. Yes. And- yeah, there's Trail, <laughs> Trail of Ashes there. So yeah. which right, is for easy. anybody that hasn't played. Gloomhaven, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bought it, but I, I, I haven't been able to get very far with it because I find it very sorry. dense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> these days I'm such a lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> so on the gaming side of things, but yeah. it's quite dense. But can you um describe the? Mm-hmm. The joy in it. What, what, what is somebody going to get out of uh, uh, out of uh, Gloomhaven if they if they if they manage to grab a copy and get stuck yeah. into it? What's the what's the experience? So one of the things that's really nice about Gloomhaven is that it's a dungeon crawler in so much as any other dungeon crawler you've ever played. In many respects, you play as characters, you go down into dungeons, you complete quests, you follow a narrative, and you unlock successive stories. Yeah. Also good. Sounds like Descent. All these other kind of games. Fantastic, mm. right? The big selling point about Gloomhaven is that Childress wanted to create something where luck was never really a massive factor in the game. Mm-hmm. And so instead of dice rolls dictating the outcome of your actions, you have a hand of cards. You can access all of these at all times. 
and you play those cards with top and bottom actions in order to resolve your things. So you will always know what your attack is going to do, the amount of damage it will do, where you'll be able to move, all that kind of thing. There is elements of randomness in there in terms of when enemies can activate and all that kind of stuff as well. But the, the, the real core of the gameplay loop that makes Gloomhaven so awesome is that you can sit with your friends, plan out a turn, and then see that action unfold really awesomely and know the effects of how that will happen. You do have like a deck of cards that will affect kind of like the amount of damage you'll do on attacks and that kind of thing. But again, that deck of cards that dictates damage, uh, sort of more well, damage pluses and minuses, can also be tailored by you and made so that it is mitigated in terms of the bad or good luck and that kind of thing as well. So everything about the game has been designed to effectively make it less of an uh, American-style dice-chucking <laughs> beer and pretzels game and more of, think, a Euro game in terms of sort of old-school thinking and that kind of thing, a genre, but built into a dungeon-crawling adventure. That does mean that it, it will come with a little bit of a barrier for some people who maybe will be like okay so i need to plan out this and then i think about what i'm going to do next and all that kind of thing but if you're like a massive fan of puzzles and working out how to solve a dungeon mm -hmm. it definitely works for you it's not it has fluff and it has lore but the the core focus of what makes gloomhaven great is that kind of seeing a plan set out between you and your friends with choosing the right cards and then seeing that like probably kick ass and you know take names and destroy all the enemies and kill the bosses and all that kind of stuff so well. this truly is a hannibal smith dungeon crawler <laughs> yeah a plan has come together yes <laughs> which is kind of awesome yeah um, weapons on standby like there's a reason why the game is the top on bgg and has been Whoa. for years um because like he Childress created something pretty phenomenal, um, it, pretty much by himself. It um, just blows my mind how much Gloomhaven is growing. I mean, even yeah. just, as you said, Frosthaven, you've got, is it Forgotten Circles? Is it uh, Forgotten Circles? Yeah, so there was... Jaws and the Lion. Yeah. You've got it going onto Steam, onto video games. I have tried playing Gloomhaven a couple of times, but it was the setup took quite a while, and yeah. we couldn't get in another game until a couple of weeks later. At that point, we would have had to put it away, set it up, and it was quite difficult yeah. to carry on with. Although the concept itself is something that I really do love and enjoy, especially at how fast it's growing as well. It's just yeah. the universe is just only getting bigger. Is it legacy based then? Uh, in so so much of a way is that well, you don't rip anything up and tear anything and all that kind of thing. Um, but you once you've played through the story, you've essentially played through it. You could go, go back through because uh, you do stick things onto boards and that kind of stuff to mark off where which location. I generally remember there being stickers stuff. involved, yeah. which is why I was asking. Yeah, and you do open boxes that then reveal characters and that kind of thing. Uh -huh. But there's nothing stopping you once you finish your Gloomhaven just going back and starting again and playing as entirely new characters. They've also put in the the core box. I think it's in some of the more recent printings of the game, or at least since the second one. Mm -hmm. There's like a random dungeon creator. So there's a set of cards where you draw the and you just play Dungeon Delta constantly. So you can literally just keep playing Dungeon Gloomhaven as many times as you like, really, if you wanted to, and just level your characters up that way. If you saw that way, um, there, there there are people who do like um, water slide style um, transfer. Well, not you know you know what I mean. Uh, so removable stickers, effectively, yeah, yeah. that will go onto maps. So if you want to completely reset everything, you can do that. Obviously, a little bit of the mystery's gone at that point, but you know that's the way it is. Something that Free mentioned, I think, is very important there. If you're interested in Gloomhaven, but you're like, I don't really want to spend seventy pounds on this to find that I don't like it, 
I suggest playing the Steam game, uh, the PC version, because mm-hmm. it's exactly the same rules as the normal Gloomhaven campaign, just made digital. Um, and Or just play it on TTS for free. <laughs> well, apart from the cost of TTS. Um, you know, dive in and give that a go and just see mm-hmm. what you think. Um, you know, playing digitally is a little bit weird, obviously. When it don't get to... spoiled by the AI. Don't and, yeah, do it. Exactly, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where there are so many little entryways into playing Gloomhaven now. You could even... I mean, admittedly, you need this like the core Gloomhaven in order to really play this, I, I'd say. But you could have Jaws of the Lion as a really nice starting point for like 40 quid, something like that, as cheap mm-hmm. as that. Uh, and I've been playing through Jaws of the Lion quite recently. And it's such a good entry point to Gloomhaven because it doesn't have the setup time. You have the books that are ring bound and you just unfold those and you play the game using them. That's one of the things that's really nice about the trial, trial, the Trail of Ashes expansion they're doing is that they realize that. You know, they didn't want to have to use tiles on that kind of thing. And so they've made it so that the new Trial of Ashes book will be a ring-bound set. Like ah. So they've made it so it's easy, you know, easy and accessible and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 if, if you're in any way interested in uh, Crimson Scales and, and Gloomhaven, I would definitely go and check it, a go, check it out, sorry, um, because they've done a really fantastic job and there's a really good team that's built this. I will also add that Adax Games, who create, who effectively have been formed out of this, mm-hmm. are actually moving over to do their own project in the future as well, uh, which is called Rove. Um, uses the same artist that you've seen there, so Alexander, um, but it's uh, their own take on a fun adventuring campaign fantasy game, uh, which should be coming to Kickstarter in the near future, which we'll probably nice. look at in more detail. But awesome. they've clearly learned so much from the process of designing this that they've gone, we'll take those skills and we'll we'll do something of our own. And yeah. again, Childress is fully behind it because he's like, make more games, have fun. So yeah. Oh, happy days. So, so something a little bit different there, but something that I think deserves a little bit of a look. So, it's, yeah. it's an outstanding amount of stuff put together by Absolutely. fans. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. what's that? Uh, 18 new character classes in total listed there. Across all of them, yeah, because you've got the 11 plus even more coming out and all that kind of Well, there was a a little bit with three additional ones for the initial starter 11 Mm -hmm. chucked at the bottom of a page, like a a casual, oh, we've done three others. Oh, Uh, there's three more. (laughs) There's three more. Now, Find them if you can be bothered scrolling down. <laughs> there's no accounting that all of this stuff is going to be at like quite the same level as what Childress created in terms of like yeah. its depth and that kind of thing. But even Childress screwed up a little bit on some of his quests. Some of them are freaking awful. <laughs> well, <laughs> so interesting I, thing, though, I'm just going to say oozes and then I'll leave it at that. But yeah, they, so. they, they do seem to have um, milestones there, which looks to be for feedback. Yes. On the, oh, the individual character classes. So two, four, six. So you can help out in the process. So that's, so that's 14. So that's the Crimson Scale classes, the the 14 they've done for that. Yeah. Uh, so at least they're they're open to uh, feedback and tweaking and exploring them to see, you know, just how devilish a lesson can be. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic stuff. Crimson, sorry, the crimsonscales.com if people are looking to find that uh, definitely think it's one to check out if you're a fan of Gloomhaven and uh, based on what you've said and it may be worth me checking out Gloomhaven myself at some point I think you'd really enjoy it Jerry mm. you'd really enjoy it but take a quick swish and then we'll get stuck into the news coming to you from the centre of northwestern Europe covering board games war games card games and all that sh- you love it's the mu- Okay, folks, we're back and we're going to be kicking off the news this week with a dive into the world of Panathor and some dusty news from Magic (laughs) Games. 
they are releasing a slew of new miniatures for the Empire of Dust line for Kings of War. Um, before, if people wanted to have their Pharaoh-esque uh, sort of Egyptian light undead, then they needed to use metal plastic hybrids, which were nice, but were an utter pain to put together. Uh, so they've gone ahead, splashed the cash, and have several new plastic kits. Uh, so first up is the plastic infantry, um, of which you can get your hands on 20 delightful skellies with all weapon options. So they can have spear, uh, they can have bow, uh, or they can eat even be armed with hand weapon and shield, uh, which is handy if people want to run them as revenants. Uh, so that's always nice. And they've got that sort of, we've got over the top elaborate gold armor. Everybody must be very, very rich. I just, I, I want one of them to at least have a grill of gold teeth. I imagine that's very doable. Very doable. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the, the infantry set covers all your options. There's also a cavalry set as well, um, which again, you can combine with the uh, infantry box. There are the options on there to do your skeleton um, archer cav as well as your your standard sort of impact cav. Uh, some of the bits and pieces like the sort of gold armor on the sides of the skeleton steeds are separate as well. So you can mix and match when putting them on or leave them off altogether if you want a bit of a lighter cav. So maybe the skeleton archers, you don't want to have all the armor on there. Um, so two very nice plastic kits uh, that mm. should make putting yeah. the the Empire of Dust on the tabletop a lot easier. Uh, that's not the only thing that's coming for it, though, as they've proceeded to continue with uh, resin building uh, for the more esoteric and expensive oh. pieces of kit in your army. Uh, so the Cursed High Priest mounted, is, he's a very happy horse. Yes. <laughs> they're usually so unsettling aren't they yeah. with the skeletons between that and the massive tongue on the high priest that he's sticking yeah. out there as well which is exactly what I imagine that I, is I, I quite appreciate the fact that they kind of gave the horse all the kind of what do they call it horse armour you know, the... well we call them horse curtains <laughs> horse but curtains but yeah, the yeah. correct name is comparison but yeah comparison yeah <laughs> I like because I think because one of the things I've always thought is that skeletal horses just look a bit weird yeah unsettling <laughs> like so having that kind of it, takes away a little bit like of that It's like an upside-down yeah. toast rack. Yes. <laughs> Nobody wants that. You got, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't look at it without hearing, Shrek drink a potion and amendment sexy! It I just, know. It just, yeah! It is very, it is. He's hot to stepping. Um, they're also they're also changed over the enslaved guardian so these have been available for a little while as metals um they've now gone back and resinified them and also increased them by i'm going to say a good 10 to 15 percent in size so the the metal ones sort of came up to like chin area uh whereas these now look like they will actually carve their way through the ranks of any opponent uh, <laughs> which is good to see uh because i don't know anybody who runs um, Empire of Dust without a few enslaved guardians in there. Oh, um, those helmets are great as well. Oh yeah. So with the the release of these, there's two sets coming. So we've got the standard army set, and you can see there, ten cav, uh, forty infantry, and obviously you can build them in whatever way you want. You don't have to build them that way. And the high priest resin leading them, and then there's the mega army, uh, <laughs> which is more of the same. 
but this time with the enslaved guardians and a mummy, uh, which I imagine will have wings of the honey maze because everybody's going to put wings of the honey maze on a mummy so they can just rampage through their opponent's backline and really make their day a complete nightmare. <laughs> uh, so it's really nice to see. They've also shown off some um, concept sketches for the Idol of Shubek and the um, Monolith. There, I, I remembered Monolith. Uh, they haven't seen when they're coming out yet because they normally do multiple waves these days. So you'll get the core army and then a month or two down the line, they'll do the second wave with a few other bits and pieces in there. But the, uh, the Adler Showback looks amazing from the concept. The Monolith, they've shown like three or four different ones, one being very intact, just a Monolith. One, eh, yeah, it is what it is, <laughs> says it's in. There's one though that's wreathed in sort of ethereal flames and is cracking apart at the top. I'm going to make that one. It's going to be a pain to make and a pain to cast, but it's so much more interesting to paint. So I really want that one. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't just want a big stick of big no. stick of rock. No, 100%. I might like. I've got monoliths sitting around the house in various yeah, places yeah. in states of disrepair from other companies. I want something extravagant, floating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, this week. So uh, a couple of days ago, Mantic announced there is a price rise coming. First of August. So if you're after any of these, uh, you should probably look at getting them ordered uh, between now and the end of July so you, you can avoid that price hike. Uh, it's like everything else. The way of the world is not getting any cheaper. If shipping drops, then that will help out a lot. But uh, they're currently moving away from metals as much as they can. Uh, but even then, resin prices are, are going up. So most miniature manufacturers are, are having a delightful time at the moment trying to balance the books but if they, yeah. want, to, they want to keep expanding they've got to do something price-wise so at least they've given people the heads up that they can look out for it and uh, okay. run away from it mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> who's next well we may be in the news but technically we're not going too far given the indie that was picked by ben and following the theme of blue Madden, this is a little bit of news but it's something i really want to chat to you about for a few different reasons and i want to hear what you think so to start, cephalofair. I've just realised I've never said that out loud, by the way. So it might be like a cephalofair. It might be a Hermy One situation. Cephalofair. They're going to be heading over to crowdfunding in the next edition to the Gloomhaven Youth First. So given how mammoth the world is, like we spoke about, we've been promised a huge and chunky box. So last year we heard miniatures are coming, like you can see, and not just for Gloomhaven, but for Frosthaven too. Right. Over the last week, this crowdfunding campaign is going to backer it, which I found quite interesting, and it's going to be 500 miniatures. 500 miniatures. So there's quite a lot. So that's across Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Jewels of the Lion, Forgotten Circles, replacing the absolute total of standees, tokens for enemies, bosses, summoned creatures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still in shock to over 500 miniatures in all fairness. So, not only the standees in the normal box. Yeah. <laughs> for the campaign, it's going to be focused around the new miniatures, but also there's going to be a second printing for Frosthaven, just in case you want to get your hands on that. I know the first people haven't got their hands on it yet, but get in there <laughs> while you can. And there's going to be new news on the lead up to explain what's going to be happening during the campaign. And apparently the growing universe of Gloomhaven coming from them. So what I find really interesting about this is such a huge game, such a massive game, and they're going to 
Bakery. And this is the first year. Are we talking about Bakker Kit here? Bakker Kit. Do I always call it? I'll just ignore the K, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just Bakker it. It's Bakker Kit. I'll just is it ignore not? the K. <laughs> going there. But I do, it, it's really interesting because we're seeing a huge divide of creators and designers and publishers that are going over to all these different platforms now. And Kickstarter was doing so well and it was the go to. And then we got Game Found and that was bought by Ravensburger and it's just for tabletop games and we've got publishers that are running their own campaigns on their own websites and let alone all the other crowdfunding stuff we've got on 3d printing platforms it, it, it's going bananas so it looks like a few people were avoiding kickstarter now because of their decision to use blockchain i'm not even going to pretend to know what that is in depth to explain it to you it's a bit high techy techy for me but other publishers like Restoration Games, Leader Games, Great Even Games, they're going to be going over to Backer Kit too um, uh, to crowdfund as well. So the platform wow, okay. is live at the moment. So there's about four campaigns up there at the mini. So you should go have a look at what it's going. But it just seems quite a lot ahead in this way. So another thing that blew my mind a little bit is the campaign is set to go live. And although we've seen a few 3D previews in resin, it makes me wonder how the campaign is going to be laid out. We haven't got exact confirmation of what this is going to be. Will it be 500 miniatures that's in resin? And if so, I can imagine that's going to be quite hefty, quite expensive. What are you going to get out of it? What's your average price for a miniature really on Kickstarter? What do you say they cost? Less than a pound? Well, uh, it depends on the quality. It really depends, yeah. 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 I, I'm I mean, thinking this is going to be something... Mm -hmm. More like ABS plastic. The yeah, they're probably going to be single piece plastics. I'd yeah. guess. Yeah, and it, it could potentially come out. In which quiet. case, a couple hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars, maybe. Suppose be relying on bulk purchases to drive the price down. What we're looking at here, free is is uh, a life cycle of a of a technology or an idea or or of a platform. So Kickstarter was first to the scene so they, they are they obviously had that first movers yeah. advantage okay um board games piled in on it um and it worked very well for a while okay now there's nothing fundamentally wrong with uh with kickstarter there's there's no fundamental reason why somebody uh would take their 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 campaigns elsewhere but kickstarter then got competition Mm -hmm. Okay. And now I think what we're seeing is a twofold aspect. One is that I imagine that the pool on Kickstarter is not getting much bigger, the pool of people, uh, of backers. Okay. So I would imagine that Kickstarter's growth in terms of uh, new eyeballs, new backers, new wallets um, is not as, as, fast as it has been so i i suspect that we're reaching this um point where there's there's two things where kickstarter's growth is not as, as fast as it used to be and the enticement of lower fees on competitor platforms okay so uh gamefind has been very aggressive in 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 how it's been you know, uh, promoting and keeping its fees uh, lower. So they're just trying to create um, an alternative. And I think now that we, I think what we're seeing is a much more competitive environment oh, absolutely. for campaigns. You know, um, I don't think 
Um, I certainly don't think there's been as many campaigns this year as there as there has been in previous years. I don't think the campaigns are funding as highly as maybe as as what they are. Oh, there are always outliers, okay. But I'm talking about in general, in general terms. If we look at the mean uh, funding yeah. levels, I don't think it's been um, as stellar a year as as what it has been growth wise in the past. Could be wrong. We will wait and see whenever the results come out towards the end of the year, but. Um, I definitely think that what's happening is that some companies, their fan base is so niche that the, the they can they just host it themselves because there's no point in them going to Kickstarter because they're not going to appeal to the main, mainstream. So that's your kind of next starters and your North Star kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, North Star stuff is just so niche that there's no point in them pumping it up in front of the mainstream because the mainstream's not really going to be that interested anyway. So they may as well have zero fees and do it themselves because the people that like it are going to go there anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um. Backer kit was used a long time for a long time, uh, I believe, as a way of uh, managing the post process of a Kickstarter. Kickstarter never actually had a backer management kind of system. Backer kit had that, but then I believe that what we're seeing now is backer kit then obviously added in the front end yeah. for the actual um, funding uh, raising as well. Both of them actually, backer kit and GameFound, both started as pledge managers for kickstarter yeah because yeah, they did a lot never had anything yeah. game mm -hmm. did a lot of the mythic stuff didn't they and monolith it's, and that kind of thing as well it's yeah. just really cool to see well cool and quite worrying because as a crowdfunding for me used to be these mama and papa businesses that needed the extra advertising and marketing and then all of the publishers went over there and it seems like to head over back to back a kid um you it, it seems like a winning thing that publishers are going over there and the development over time it's quite interesting uh it's to see where it's going. It's it, it just I wonder. I just wonder what we're looking at here because you know it's um um you know uh, well, Morg Miniatures what, what, had a little bespoke Kickstarter that finished last week, and they crept over their two thousand pound target by like eight quid, and and that is that that is literally you know a husband and wife, two man yeah. Etsy store yeah, thing. and in the meantime. Like you say, there are massive publishers out there who are going through the mm -hmm. roof. I went mm -hmm. and had a look at Bones, their last one, just to, to get an idea. For $125, you got roughly 130 odd miniatures of various sizes. So, yeah. So, if you're thinking around that neck of the woods for Gloomhaven, you're probably not going to be far off a dollar a mini. Mm. No, that's what I was thinking. I was going to say, going back to the, the miniatures and stuff, the standees are really awesome for Gloomhaven, so just use those. But, you know, it, uh, I actually quite like the look of the miniatures. It seems like they've done a little bit like what they were looking to do with Frosthaven and what Crimson Scales has also done, where yeah. they've kind of up, upscaled the quality of these. So they actually look kind of decent, got a lot of detail in them and all, all that kind of stuff, which is it kind would, of awesome. It would be so. really nice if they supplied SDL files for people to go at this at how they wanted to see. do. I think yeah. that would be a fantastic idea. But yeah, early age, early stages next year, that one's mm. coming. So Gloomhaven, even bigger. Just keep where the standees. <laughs> where are we off to next? Uh, so we're staying within the realm of fantasy because mm -hmm. fantasy is amazing. Uh, and we're looking towards uh, the uh, another mass battle game called, strangely enough, uh, and that is Oathmark. Um, so Oathmark, for a long time, has had your humans, your elves, your dwarves, your goblins, 
Even you're dead. dead as well in there as well. Uh, all created by Northstar for the Osprey um, game by Joseph McCullough. The one race, one faction has sort of stood out as not being for, sort of plumped up, I guess. Filled out. This seems like a really weird tangent of going on. But anyway, well, it's leave you hanging there, though, yeah. You just can't take it out. It's filled out uh, <laughs> up until now. Well, we're going to be getting a new plastic kit for the orcs and also metal characters to go alongside it at the same time. Oh, new orcs. Oh, yes. So <laughs> I am a big fan of the uh the north star range for oathmark mainly because i think that all of it looks incredibly tolkien-esque uh, and these are no different uh, we've got a set of big burly orcs that can be armed with all sorts of different weapon types uh, you're going to have your hand weapons and shields in there from your sort of axes and maces and scimitars and all that kind of thing to those very cool uh, shields that you see there they're very reminiscent of old school artwork that you would have seen for Lord of the Rings and that kind of thing as well, which is kind of nice. All clad in kind of leather and chain mail and all that good stuff. Um, you're also going to have options for bows and arrows as well. So you can have your archers set up using this set. And if it's anything like the existing packs uh, of plastic models for Oathmark, there's going to be around 30 of these in the box for a reasonable price as well, which is pretty nice. So you'll be able to use these for not just Oathmark, but for whatever other game might take your fancy. Maybe you want to use them as alternative miniatures to use in the middle of a strategy battle game. That might not necessarily be a bad idea. Ding. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, a whole bunch of really awesome sculpts once again, which I think have actually kind of been up-leveled since some of the early stuff we've seen. Um, mm. I, I, I really like the goblins and the dwarves and stuff that came out originally. Uh, some of the elves and things, but I think they've really got their eye in when it comes to the detail on these plastic mm. kits. We've seen the same happen with a lot of the things for um, Frostgrave and, and, and other games as well, um, where I think the sculptors have really kind of got like a hang on kind of the de- amount of detail they want to uh, work into their models, whilst also making them very sort of modular and all that kind of thing as well, which is really nice. So it's just good to see some really nice. cool plastic orcs. And there's the plastic frame as well to give you a kind of idea of the different kind of um, uh, options you'll get on there. Mm. In addition to the plastic models, we're also going to be getting a set of metal characters as well. Um, so these will be used for your kings and lords leading your armies, as well as the champions that you might find inside some of your units, ready to challenge other champions to a duel. You've also got your magicians and that kind of stuff there too. And a sorcerer-style shaman leading the way as well, which is kind of awesome as well. Um, again, carrying that kind of awesome aesthetic from sort of Tolkien's Middle Earth that I just love. Um, I think it would be really amazing. I'm getting kind of like a really nice Bakshi sort of feel it's, to some of those as well, which I think is really it's nice. It's really nice yeah. to see a unique personality in every one of them. I find yes, that as a race, they tend to blend together and they look, they, they, they grow. But it's fantastic <laughs> to see individual character and yeah, yeah. there was one in particular that was standing in a, a swag way holding his axe. A swag so, way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really like the drummer going back. Yeah, yeah. Because really cool. normally anytime you see a drummer they've got a massive pair of drumsticks. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. And it never occurred to me. My hands are the drumsticks. Why, <laughs> why not go full tribal? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, another nice thing about this obviously is that I assume this is going to lay the groundwork for a lot more releases for the Orcs in the near future. What we tend to see with um, the, the different armies is we get a kind of basic infantry box that'll kind of carry the weight of the of the army as a whole and do all of your kind of basic infantry, so your spearmen, your archers, and that kind of thing. And then they tend to add in a few sort of like elite elements, so maybe we'll see some heavily armoured orcs and skirmishes and cavalry and all that kind of thing. I can't remember what cavalry the orcs have. I know the goblins had wolves. Did the orcs have like boars and stuff? I can't I, remember. I can't even remember the orcs being in the list. 
They're in something. Aren't they? They're in either in that. They're in one of the books or one of the expansion books, aren't they? I think. If oh you say God, so, I can't remember. I've never, I've never. Oh no. Orcs. I don't have orcs. I have the book behind me. I'm going to look it up in the break and come back to you. I can't see it. But anyway, um, so yeah, some really awesome plastic and metal orcs coming up very, very soon. They're going to be released in July and watch out for more stuff in the near future as well. Um, Oathmark, a lot of the, or basically all of the expansions for that that I think McCullough is happy with are out now. So if you're interested in diving in and giving it a go, giving it a go, all the books are there. Go and snap them up. We've got reviews of all of them on the site. So go and check those out and see what you think. So, yeah, very happy good. days. <laughs> Looks like they're in Battle Sworn, I think. There we go. They're in one of them. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> What's next? Uh, so, moving on from that, we're going to be looking into a very interesting uh, RPG style board game, uh, which seems to be the flavor of this episode, I would say. Mm. Uh, so, this one actually comes from a new collective uh, that actually has uh, some folks working from uh, within it that have actually been part of bigger companies like Fantasy Flight Games and all that kind of stuff as well, which is pretty cool. So Incredible Dream uh, is a company that's setting up the, for their new game coming to uh, crowdfunding in the near future. Not quite exactly sure which one it is, uh, but it's going to be called Kinfire Chronicles Nightfall. So this is, again, in the same vein of a lot of sort of um, sort of RPG board games. It's going to be focused around cooperatively fighting together against the darkness and shadows as a range of awesome characters, as you can see there. Really nice artwork, fantastic stuff to kick things off. And also, you're going to see the second as well, Standees. It's a yeah. flying axolotl. It is like a flying axolotl with fur. How awesome Aww. is that? You've got a very cool tie-dye style hair style for the dwarf. Yeah, it's very moth-like. Um, so yeah, so the whole thing with uh, Kinfire is that it's going to be based around, as you can see there, uh, kind of like really cool ring-bound style maps for your combat and all that kind of stuff as well. Right. But it's going to play out over 15 quests that will take 60 minutes to play each. Uh, it's a one-to-four player game, I should have, uh, should have also have said. Um, all of this will link together a weaving narrative campaign. When it comes to combat and stuff on the tabletop, they use a bag-based initiative system where you'll have chips put into a bag that represent the characters and you'll draw them out to sort of uh, determine the randomness of your initiative on the tabletop. And then gameplay itself is done using card decks, which is another big thing for me. Absolutely loving the sound of that. Everyone copying Childress, which is which is interesting to see. <laughs> um, but the really cool thing about this is that you'll create your deck and you'll um, sort of create... Uh, curate it as you go through your campaigns and you'll use your cardinals to do big and bold abilities and all sorts of different things like that the other really nice thing about this game as well is that those cards aren't just for you you can use those cards on other players turns to give them advantage and give monsters disadvantage and all that kind of thing at the same time as well which is really nice so they're really sort of honing on that idea of being a uh, sort of cooperative style board game which i think is really cool um if you scroll all the way to the bottom you'll see the, the kevin wilson he's the guy that everyone will know he has designed games for fantasy flight games and all sorts of different things so he has a very good pedigree within the industry which is pretty cool um just trying to find out more about the game but this is why I'm what I'm telling you now is pretty much all we know about oh. it so far. But the reason I loved it so was the art style and the fact <laughs> that it was all card based. It was blowing my mind. <laughs> uh, the other really, I went very James Aincaster then. Uh, one of the other, one of the other uh, awesome things about this is that it's not just combat based stuff. You actually have uh, different um, sort of 
phases of gameplay that you go through. So there's like the combat phase that you see here where you're sort of fighting monsters and all that kind of thing. Then you have quest phases where you're going to be just traveling across That's maps right. and doing almost like a little map-based, hex-based campaign kind of thing where you go from different locations awesome. and go through kind of like the role-playing elements of things. And then you have sort of like a town phase afterwards where you're going to be coming back and upgrading and all that kind of thing as well. And again, it uses standees. Standees, man. They're the, like all that artwork that people, nice like, people create, just use the standees. You don't have to make things out of plastic. It saves a lot of money, guys. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. In the environment. But yes, watch out for Teamfire Chronicles <laughs> in the near future. I'm, hoping, I'm going to be following this one very, very closely. So when it comes to crowdfunding and all that in the future, we will no doubt revisit this one. It's a lovely watch piece of it. design. It Looks really is. Really, really nice. So, yeah. Okay, what's next? Well, without me singing the Bond theme tune that I almost did, I had to stop myself. I don't need to be that today. <laughs> there is a 007 theme ball game coming from Modiphius at the end of summer. And you won't be taking the suspected suave and sexy Bond or anyone and the agents at all. No, you're going to be putting your thinking caps on and taking role as one of the villains competing to be number one inspector the board game so i'm quite excited for this one i'm really really intrigued so this board game is ready to be pre-ordered now over on modifius and it's for two to four players and they're going to be taking role with the likes of ernst avril blofield rosa Clebb, and raul silver but each output for each player is different so players will be generally foiling the plans of 007 as they go about their uh, villainous ways, but they're going to try and be one step ahead and they're going to have their own plot that's been inspired by their movies. So like Dr. No and Diamonds and Forever. So it's going to include familiar locations, weapons, characters, and it's really cool for us to see a step into a new perspective from Playing as the villains, yeah. Yeah, you get to lurk, spy, infiltrate and blackmail your way into success. And you're overseeing your own criminal empire of agents that are scattered across the globe. You're not getting your hands dirty. That's what's happening. So (laughs) it's really, really cool to compete as the biggest bad guy for it to be number one. So as I said, it's set to be released this August. So if you are a Bond fan, I do remember, I I do really recommend taking a look it does seem like a lot of fun and awesome idea every single time i see the picture i just really do austin powers has ruined me i just every single time can you make your own villain like can i have both a a hat that cuts people in half and a cat (laughs) or a cat that cuts people in half oh (laughs) yes and then i'd be like a crossover between blowfield and odd job the only thing that I could think of when I saw this was immediately uh, Austin Powers came to mind and I was oh, yeah. like, number one. And then I was like, all I was thinking was I, I would sit down to the game and I'd be like, who does number two work for? <laughs> Bond hasn't been explored nearly enough no. in, uh, in gaming. When I think about it, I'm in. I'm in. I have a certain uh, strange thought process when it comes to Bond. I think the, um, my personal opinion is that Daniel Craig nailed it enough that the actual franchise could take a decade of rest now. <laughs> uh, I don't think it actually needs any more movies yeah. now for a while. I think, it, but I would love to see it explored on tabletop because um, I think the uh, I think the 
there's a lot in Bond in terms of action yeah. and exploration and stuff like that 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 really could lend itself to some really interesting tabletop experiences, possibly even as an RPG. You know, can you imagine being an RPG? Playing, uh, playing a 007, double O agent. Well, or playing as a double O agent, you know, or... Um, yeah, so I sue somebody from MI6. Yeah. Kicking around, poking people's sticks. Mm-hmm. You, can't play, you can play unofficially, I guess, with 7TV, I suppose. But, sorry, Jerry. I... No, no, I was going to say, presumably this leans more on the films. It looks like Spectre, because Spectre wasn't the main uh, antagonist for the first like ten books or something. Uh, mm-hmm. it, there was a different organization he was up against. Mm-hmm. It does look very movie <laughs> franchise, and the artwork it seems to be from the movie is as well. So I, I want to know the story there. I want to know at what point did Smirsh get supplanted by Spectre. <laughs> I just want the two villain organizations battling for supremacy. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Behind, behind the Iron Wall and, and just, just do that. Mm. Never mind your Cold War spying. Somebody's got to come out on top uh, somewhere in Russia and it's going to be one of those two organizations, um, whether it's, you know, Dr. No or um, somebody from, I can't remember the name of the character from Thunderbolt, you know, and, and whatever organization they use. That's what we should be focusing on. Ignore <laughs> these tuxedoed gits. Should be <laughs> going on in Russia. Mm-hmm. bad guys because yeah. there must have been mountain bodies behind the iron curtain like you wouldn't yeah. believe just it does seem like it does seem like as you say that it's a it's a, a franchise that has weirdly been criminally underrepresented on the tabletop kind of thing it has, it's, it's strange that actually when you think about it there was a, and there i was wonder a bond, if there's just yeah there, there was a bond legendary card game which was meant to be okay i think but again you know nothing out of the norm i think so. it'll be one of those things where Whoever holds the rights in the estate in a Tolkien esque way are, <laughs> yeah. are very specific on how like they this. want it recreated. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my kind argument to that is at one point they greenlit James Bond Jr. about his nephew. They did, yeah. <laughs> which was a terrible cartoon. Yeah. But so the fact they did that, but they won't do a tabletop game. You know. mm. Tap, tap, tap. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this one this one rolls for Medivhian. We might be opening the floodgates here. Who knows? Who knows? Seeing more in the future. Now that we've said it out loud, there's going to be people. Right. What is what is next? So we finished things off for this week in the news. A little bit of games workshopification, and we turn our eyes to Warhammer Forty Thousand because we still my beating heart. Space dwarves are coming back. I thought it was going to be space badgers. No, not yet. We have a full look at the kind of core unit that is going to be making up the Leagues of Votan, also known as the Squats, um, for Warhammer 40,000 when they rock around. So this unit... So these are the Iron Fathers, is that it? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah I said well. guys that Mantic invented, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. Yes, I guess. Although also the, the monkeys from uh, um, 1843 are probably going to be yeah. calling for their armor, That's I think. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so these are the Hearthkin warriors that fight for the lot, the leagues of Votan. Uh, in a similar sort of style to the Eldar in many respects, they are drawn from all over the citizenry within the holds of the uh, of the leagues of Votan. So they are, you know, they have normal day jobs, but they also fight to uh, 
you know, keep the holds uh, and fight for justice, I guess, as well. Yeah, uh, uh, to keep them from being destroyed by enemies from afar. So it's the it's the the TA in it's the territorial <laughs> army. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> or yeah. Um, so timers. Bunch yeah. part timers, yeah. 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 Uh, but the interesting thing about these, because obviously they need to be skilled in in combat, is there's a really interesting thing about clones and clone skins within the world of the Leagues of Votan, where right. they can wear different clone skins in order to make them more proficient in combat and all sorts of different things. There's weird, grim, darky sci-fi stuff going on in the background, which oh. is which is weird. But anyway, uh, so these are kind of like your core units. But you will notice there's actually some interesting bits and pieces in here. So. They all have a range of really cool looking weaponry uh, that is a little bit more high tech than what the Imperium is used to using, even the um, Adeptus Mechanicus and all that kind of stuff. They actually have more in common technologically with the Tau because they've actually worked with the Tau in the past in order to give them some of their technology, like ion technology and all that kind of things as well, which is kind of cool. I'm sure the Imperium wouldn't like to hear about that, (laughs) which will put Mm -hmm. them in bad stead. But the other really cool thing about this, and you'll see it in the top left-hand corner of this image, Jerry, is that's one of the iron kin. So within the Leagues of Votan Society, they've created a race of, or a faction of robots within their sort of organization that are essentially like droids from Star Wars in many respects, where they have personalities and they like certain things and they can talk and emote and all that kind of stuff, which again is very against (laughs) the ways of the the Adeptus Mechanicus and all that kind Mm. of stuff. And they hold a rank within... Votan leagues of Votan society at the same level as the normal dwarves, uh, well, not dwarves, <laughs> the normal squats, effectively. So they will, you know, they are seen as equals. They are rescued from combat if they get injured. They are, you know, they have their own dreams and aspirations and all that kind of thing, which is again sort of like a weird sort of ghost in the machine kind of thing going on, which is kind of cool. I was going to say because there's no way there's a head inside this exactly. guy on the right. Yeah. I was thinking mm. the same. Yeah. The other interesting thing is that this obviously then puts them in line more with the men of iron from back in the dark histories of Warhammer 40,000 and before the heresy and all that kind of thing, which was the robot uprising that was crushed by the Imperium because the sentience, they, all the robots gained sentience and decided they wanted to eradicate humanity, basically, in a kind of like a Terminator-style thing. Now, we have seen a man of iron in recent in recent times as part of the Blackstone Fortress box, which is kind of mm. cool. And the design is very similar, but it's also then very similar to the look of the, uh, I think it's the, the Cataphrons within the uh, Mechanicus armies as well, yeah. where they have that same design and feel to it. But obviously the Leagues of Votan have gone down this route of being like, it doesn't matter that you're an AI that has you know, gained a personality. You're one of us, which I think is going to be really fascinating to see how it works. Are they going to be mixed in amongst the squads? Can you make entire entire units of Iron Kin? Um, what roles do they fill within the different society and the army and all that kind of stuff as well? Um, can we even tell them apart? Can you even tell them apart when they're wearing? I have no idea. Them? Looking at exactly. them, yeah. uh, obviously, now that Jerry's pointed out the tiny head syndrome, I can. Yeah. There's yeah. A, there's the odd yeah. clue there. You'll also notice there's female um, yeah. uh, League of Votan squats in there as well. If you want to play with them, which is pretty cool. So they've really gone to the you know. Uh, they all look the same to me. Exactly. They're all wearing armor and kicking ass and yep. taking names. So, yeah. Yeah. so what, what we're, what we're basically seeing is dwarves meets Google Lambda. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, so all of these dwarves, all, all these droid dwarves then will have lawyers and stuff, you know, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. basically saying you will, you will treat us as employees. I have a, I have a wage us. dispute. Yes. yes. <laughs> Union. 
that seems very uh, dwarven anyway <laughs> to have a wage dispute anyway. So, but yeah, um, so there's some really fun stuff. So they're all up. led by the all because they're miners as well, obviously. Yeah. So they're led by King Dwarf Scargill. Yes. So yeah. Oh, would not be mad. Scargill sounds like a pretty good name for a dwarf. I gotta say, very good name. I like how they've all got D rings on, showing that they don't think uh, that deep space combat is anywhere to negate sort of exactly. safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not going to rely on our jetpacks. Let's actually clamp onto things. Yeah. Um, I also I really like the touches to kind of old school squats as well. So you notice the guy there with the shades on, very mm. reminiscent of sort of old squat. Um, well, actually, that, that's your dude from American Chopper, really, isn't it? <laughs> that's Paul Senior right there. <laughs> uh, and it'll be really interesting to see whether or not this is the kind of core line infantry of the leagues, or is this the kind of heavily armoured stuff? And we're going to see some of the other league right. members in kind of like the flak jackets and that kind of thing. It'll be very interesting to see how that kind of maxes up. But they haven't uh, said I'm anything really about weaponry yet, have they? I don't think there's been anything that's come out that's like specifically about any of the kind of stats and stuff like that, but all of it's kind of plasma and ion. And well, I'm curious because that's the front of a LAS gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And then that back stub chunk is from plasma. I think that's and, what's called and, a high LAS in this, uh, I think. Right. So I wonder if there was a plasma. reason for it or if they were just, uh, yeah. if they were just <laughs> cutting and pasting bits from their CAD design folder. Going, oh, I, need a, I need a barrel. <laughs> barrel a, sculpt, a sculptor did that and then they had to come up with some kind of law reason why it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. like the Goldman like, Patton Bolter. Exactly. Like they, like they don't use um, power weapons, they use plasma weapons. So all their weapons are all like plasma heated rather than mm. the traditional kind of blade that's effectively been, you know, Hmm. Electrified in many respects. Hence him. Exactly. Yeah. Big, big burning. So, are they Imperium or are they Tau? Well, they are. They are as close to the Imperium as they will allow themselves to be. Mm-hmm. In so much as that, the Imperium kind of accepts that they're there <laughs> and hasn't gone to the stage of destroying them yet, because they provide the Imperium with a lot of weaponry and all this kind of things. But I think a lot of their society is very much about the secrets that they still hold within their their holds, <laughs> because they have these massive, huge, um, effectively like god machines that they've created that do sums and mathematical equations or that kind of thing. And they have gained their own sentience as well, but nobody knows about that apart from the leagues. So I think if the Imperium had actually fully learned of what they are doing in the shadows, they would eradicate them. Um, but basically the squats, the leagues of OTAN, the squats have been going around going, oh yeah, we're just having fun in, in you know the deepest, darkest places of the galaxies. Oh, you want to learn some technology from us, Tau, do you? Well, if you pay us enough money, we'll give you the things you need. Uh, and so they so don't what we're really anything. learning here then is that the Imperium truly are the most ineffective <laughs> that the galaxy yes. has ever seen. Yes, yes. Yeah. They're just crap at it. They're just, yes, they're just really yeah. not very good at this whole thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it? The bureaucracy was a nightmare. There we go. Mm, not honest. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I'm really liking them. It's taking my mind away from doing heresy in in every sense of the word. I'll probably be picking up some leagues of Botan models uh, to make a little tiny squat up. Well, remember, yeah. remember, they existed during the Great Crusade as well. So I'm I'm about to launch a Great Crusade to say that we should all just be gaming in the Great Crusade. Yeah. And I only need two more people to join me, and I've, got, three people, and I've got a crusade. So, that's the way to do it. But yeah, some fun stuff there for 40k. They'll keep you ticking over. Oh, and also Chaos Space Marines are coming out as well. There you go. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, but not a lot of them. Not a lot of them. So there's nothing worth yes. talking about. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That looks like another chunky week's worth of news. Oh, yeah. We shall take a little break. When we've calmed ourselves down, we'll come back with some 3D printing and take a look at some crowdfunding campaigns that free can be appalled by. <laughs> Okay, so for 3D printing is the Shizney this week. Uh, we've a little teeny tiny one. Um, if people seen the UK Games Expo live stream, um, Justin actually got a chance to chalk to chalk to talk to Giles, uh, the guy responsible for this. If you didn't, appalling. How very dare you? But uh, I thought we'd have a quick look at it because it is it's a very bespoke little uh, setup. It's Yay, sir, I want to Yay, say. Because it's the Hebrew, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Which means either framework <laughs> or imagination or something disgusting. Something, yeah. 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 Uh, but currently what it is is uh, 3D printing for modular tabletop train, specifically sci-fi and industrial. And uh, the sort of the key is is a big fan of games like Kill Team, Necromunda, and Dungeon Crawlers, that sort of thing. So it's a way of getting stuff for your tabletop. Um, in a, a modular fashion that you can then expand to your heart's content. So relatively small at the moment, but there's some interesting bits and pieces in here. So I'm going to start us off with one of the little industrial sets. So you can pick up the oh, wow. uh, collective STLs, uh, mm. which are a bit cheaper than get them all individually, although the bits and pieces are there. But you can see very much the sort of the idea behind it in a, a very sort of space hulky way. Yeah, um, where you're building out your uh, tabletop. So you don't have to buy them as the set. No, no, you can just go in here and, and That's pick great up to the. Mix and match it, in all fairness. Run, run like the wind, tiny yester <laughs> site. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can pick up individual pieces if individual pieces are what you're after. So whether it's the files to make these sort of corridors and branching system, there's also this. Um, suppose pillar set pieces and stuff which yeah. are used to interconnect uh the various bits and pieces in the set uh which is part of the modularity so it means they're stackable as well uh but the um the galactic terrain sets just chuck out another one here as you can see they've, they've got a, a very sort of high 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 sci-fi not your your Everything's covered in skulls and falling apart. More Star Wars. It's than more, that, yeah, it's yeah. more. Well, Star Wars is a good one. Uh, very good for Infinity Infinity. and things like that. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A lot of it comes down to obviously how you paint them up. Um, you've got the the very crisp, clean look to it. You could dirty Ooh. them down rightly if you want to do a bit more sort of aliens, uh, your industrial yeah. sci-fi and punk, um, without having towers of skulls stuck to every <laughs> single thing, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which I I find very important in life very important uh, but because it is such a teeny tiny little shop we can more or less browse the whole kit and caboodle ah. um so interesting thing is obviously he's adding to it all the time but i like the fact that there are things set at heights because whenever That's you're doing your hero quest board you were very keen on the half height walls to allow easy access yeah. to rooms and stuff and i'm very much more so. to that way of of seeing i've seen somebody build them um, 
some modern buildings recently and they had all the walls at the same height which makes perfect sense except when you're trying to put somebody in a corridor <laughs> mm-hmm. internally Directly, at which point yes. the half height walls come into their own um, but you can see there's your, your sort of your basic sets and your additional bits and pieces um, to expand therein whether it happens to be the sort of core walls floors that sort of bits and pieces or if you're after things like stairs and ladders or the uh sort of industrial um, ramps and there's yeah. even, there should be scatter somewhere as well although i have to say the industrial bits and pieces are pipes yeah really really nice yeah i'm just gonna kill some screams like isn't it kill his website i think <laughs> sorry yeah, I, Kyle, I, I didn't mean to I thought that I think I think the pipes and stuff I think are really nice and they they give as you're saying free that necromundry vibe of yeah. my down in the, in the underhive and then to having things like the stairs and ladders gives that verticality to your games which I think is always important especially in skirmishy style affairs because you want to have the ability to be able to like ambush people from above and below and knock people off you know, and over you railings could, and that kind of thing as well. You so could they definitely can fall to their um, <laughs> cyberpunk these up as well, just a bit yeah, yeah. as well. Put neon through everything and away you go. <laughs> Even the pipes, yeah. Neon and graffiti, there you go, cyberpunk. <laughs> You're done and dusted at that point. Obviously, um, I mean, the um, the key would be then to do all your internal lighting. I mean, those, Ooh, those are hollow. Yeah. I bet you could run leads through them without a problem. Or get <laughs> Get the uh, metal paint to make your circuits. Oh yeah, yeah. But I I really like the uh, the clean aesthetic to it, and even though it's it's only a, a relatively small range so far, every time he ex- seems to expand it, uh, he takes it in sort of slightly different directions, which means you can you can vary up what you're looking at. So you have your Star Warsy internal spaceship parts, yeah. whether it's for Space Hulk or whatever, you've got your down and dirty necro kill team sort of industrial underhive, or depending on the game you're playing, you could be on, you know, the upper or lower levels of civilization because everybody knows all the terrible stuff is at the bottom. Um and that's that's why reverse dungeon crawlers work in sort of um mm. sci-fi so well. You start off, everything's very cushy. You're up in the upper limits, and then the further down you go, it becomes a bit more grim. Yeah, but, uh, industrial. It's got some lovely detailing. It's very. They are minimalist. I would say it's not overly fussy and filled with things, mm-hmm. which means it should theoretically be easy to print out. Also, quite easy to well, relatively easy to paint. You're not, you're not having to worry too much about too much finick, finick, finickety detail. Yeah, <laughs> a little yeah, bit like that sentence. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, I mean, you say the shop's quite small, but the amount you can customise in there is insane. Well, yeah, because uh, once you've got in and got the bits and pieces, I mean, you know, ladders and wall sets, things are are set at different heights and sizes, so you know that you can sit there with this piece at a half height, and then you can expand in and put your mezzanine level above it or whatever it happens to be, so it's ideal for bigger games as well if you want to start building out bits and pieces but the addition of things like the scattered terrain i think is is really handy because you always need little objectives or even if it's just like a loading bay mm-hmm. filled with a load of crates and, and barrels uh drums full of 
unusual zombie-like experiments to you know, fall <laughs> off the back of a lift, then you know you're sorted. As you can see there, set at different heights with the uh, standard reference Primaris. Yeah, I'm saying it's a Primaris lieutenant. That's what they all are. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just whole armies full of lieutenants. <laughs> but another interesting thing, and I've said it before. And I'll keep saying it until everybody knuckles down in the industry and does it. Um, obviously, these are the STLs. I don't do 3D printing. But often they'll have merchants who will sell stuff. Yes. And we see it a lot on patrons and, and my mini factory and stuff <laughs> where they have merchant levels, but you've no way of knowing who owns their hey. stuff, who, who's, mm -hmm. who's printing out anywhere. Um, a nice thing about Yaster is that they actually have those in there. Um, oh, brilliant. So that's great. You can go and have a look um, and see if there are people in your country of choice that are doing it, or potentially if if you have a, a go to printer that you use a lot, you might be able to go. Well, have you considered reaching out and, and getting a merchant yeah. sort of account for this guy? Yeah, I like that. That's great. Nice. On top of that, we also have things like getting started and nice. little printing tips and things that obviously if you're new into printing you may not be aware of if you are already printing stuff then these are just sort of little aid memoirs the best way to tackle bits and pieces nice. for yourself but obviously a, a bit of a a labor of love and a handy handy thing to have for people Very who are so. picking up the yeah. kits for the first time and actually going well sure. how exactly does yeah this go together or, or it's run the problems. Yeah. It's like the new her starts, isn't it? Really? Yeah. And handy hints to like mm -hmm. things like your swinging, swinging doors. doors. Yeah. Everybody wants swinging doors. What's the, point of, what's the point of having hinges if you're not going to hinge things? Always it's like stuff, a bit of a buttress as well. It's stuff like this that I think is really good for dispelling the myths of 3D printing being like too hard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think having access to this from people who create the files is a good way to be like, it's not that much of a, a leap. Stop. It's just it's just another item to the hobby that you need to learn as a skill. Like when John put out his video uh, this week where he was looking at the printing of the Raging Hero model, yeah. there were yeah. people in the comments that were like, oh, wow, so it's that easy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's that easy. You know, mm. uh, apart from the fact that John has weird, like, golden fingers for three Oh, minutes. yeah, John's so yeah. Yeah, so. I've always said it. I've said it once and I'll say it again. The hardest part of 3D printing was when it came in the box and I had to set it up. There's me expecting it to come in the box already. That was the <laughs> hardest part. <laughs> yeah. And also, as you can see, in things like the FAQ bits and pieces, like, what if I don't own a 3D printer? Well, then go to the print oh, page for more information or what setting should I use? Here's what I've done it with 15 millimeter layer height and a 15% infill, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of the heavy lifting in the background has, has already been done with, um, which is good. So you can get in there and, and see, you know, if people want to become an authorized dealer and all the rest. I will yeah. say um, that, there it is there, the bunker. Um, that uh, was given away on the expo. So the files for that, are for one lucky winner who's up at the moment, hasn't claimed yet. Oh, shame. But it's a really nice little bunker setup. Um, if it doesn't, I, I think uh, Justin will probably try and get it early. A <laughs> little bunker complex is always good. Uh, oh, that's nice. It works well for a multitude of sci fi games. 
Pretty much, yeah. And even if you're not planning on actually going through some sort of trench warfare, uh, mm -hmm. having it to block off avenues and things like that is always yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. So that's that's our little yet, sir. Fantastic. It's almost, yes, it's almost an indie at the same time. How lovely. I know. <laughs> so I think most 3D printing things are indie. Pretty much. Right? Have we got a couple of Kickstarters to round us out today? We do, yeah. Do, do, So we start things off keeping in the same vein. We're looking at 3D printing. This is 3D Breed Miniatures, who have put together a project that I very much picked out because I was like, oh, Jerry will probably like this, which <laughs> is called Join or Die Wanted. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is a spaghetti western collection of STL miniatures for use in your Wild West war games. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, okay. what makes you think I'd be interested in Wild West? <laughs> I don't know. It may, I don't know. All those books you've had recently, Jerry, those unboxings you've been I doing, perhaps. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I've not heard Jerry say Dead Man's Hand in ages, mate. No. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so. Uh, the cool thing about this campaign is that it not only brings together a bunch of different gangs, but also training all sorts of bits and pieces at the same time. Oh. So they have been working on uh, US Marshals, Outlaws, Civilians, Bounty Hunters, and then a whole host of Far West legends that are in no way related to the movies. 100% <laughs> not. <gasps> Hang on a minute. Is that a picture that will actually get bigger? Oh, oh but it goes to Instagram. <laughs> no. But yes, so uh, there's some really awesome uh, pieces in, in this, as you could imagine. And as, you, as I say, uh, they're all done through sort of 3D printing and SDL, file, SDL files. The thing that was really nice about this is that occasionally you'll see some of these kind of like 3D printing Kickstarters pop up and you're like, ah, well, they look kind of crap. <laughs> Whereas I think the detail on these from 3D Breed are just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like, they are beautiful sculpts. There's no doubt about get, that. If you can get those sculpts to come out like that, oh. you have a seriously badass Wild West collection uh, to use in your games. And because they're kind of, they kind of fit around that 28 to 32 millimeter scale. So they're sort of somewhere in between those two, depending on the flamboyance of their sculpt. They should work with pretty much any Wild West range out there. Mm. I know that a lot of the stuff from, um, I think, is the Dead Man's Hand stuff slightly That's on the great. more heroic side and that kind of thing, is it? Or is it? The plastics are yeah. slightly chunkier, yeah. but they're still a, a decent uh, 20s and they yeah. fit very well uh, with Knuckle Duster miniatures lines. So yeah. Great Escape and yeah. Knuckle Duster match. Yeah. Uh, Scorpion. I'd say these Black, are pretty Black much Scorpion in that are same a little bit bigger, well. yeah. um, but would match with the Great Escape plastics. Very well. So, and then I suppose you can always Aww. tweak your sizing for these. You can anyway. always just tweak the you sizing can. for the printing if you want to yeah. get it smaller and smaller and bigger. But I think the I just think the detail on these is fantastic. I really love the posing for them as well. I think they've done really nice gunfighter poses where they look like they're in the midst of the action and all that kind of thing as well. This is some more stuff. From That's <laughs> he's a time traveling Wild West hero. From the what is, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so you've effectively like what the core thing is that you've got those two sort of basic gangs. Ready and ready to go. You've got your US Marshals and your Outlaws. Oh, you want to do a proper good old shootout in Tombstone or something. You've got those options, which is really nice. But then if you want to sort of play around with the um the characters a little bit and tell some different stories, you can go and check out things like the Wild West Legends, which unfortunately we're not be able to see bigger. So yeah. Um but if you scroll down, you'll see some more of the pledges. So for 35, 35 euros, you get the two um gangs, as it were, and then the bank and for the them bank. to rob. Mm. Which oh, is also a, a, mod a modular bank as well, which is great. Oh, they're yeah. good. Mm. You no, always, need, yeah. always need cover in a Wild West game. You'd so. be surprised how difficult it is to find a water pump 
20 <laughs> mil. I'm just saying. For you to dunk someone into. Yeah. <laughs> but you've even oh, got the Undertaker take, yeah. who's sizing people up, getting his tape measure out and all that kind of thing. Undertaker daddy. Undertaker daddy. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the bounty hunters there, you've got the steam civilians, they're going to be adding a few more. There's a, there's, a, there's a train! There's a whole steam train. They're doing the Dalton gang, which is really cool as well. They've got Mexican outlaws coming up in the near future too. So oh. that. There is even a free miniature for you to download and try out at home, which is the town, uh, oh, the town fool, the, the tavern fool, as it were. Town drunk. Yeah, so you can download him and give him a go on your 3D printer at home, see whether you like the quality and how it comes out, which is quite nice. And there you go, there's a little bit of a Ah, yeah, that's nice. Against, uh, some well, other that's fantasy and historical ranges to give you an idea. Because so, I've so, got yeah. him from Footsore, so that gives a good size for me. Yeah. I don't care about other people at home. But I know what okay, here's a challenge for the three of you. Mm. Yes. If you weren't into Wild West um, uh, gaming, right? So let's say mm-hmm. let's say we're going to do a mashup, right? I'm going to challenge each of you to do a mashup. Okay. We've okay. seen um, Wild West meets steampunk because we've got the Wild West Exodus and mm-hmm. stuff there. So mm-hmm. been there, done that, right? Um, if I were to challenge you to try and come up with a Wild West mashup of some sort that would make that that would uh, drive someone's interest, that would act as a a way of making them go, oh, actually, yeah. Well, well what might you come up with? Well, m- well, my immediate thought was like Firefly, but then that's already kind of been done, hasn't it? So you know, that's sort of like Wild West, but in space. How about? Wild Wild West, but fantasy. So magic, dragons, orcs, all that kind of thing, but done with a Wild West theme. And then you mix in melee weapons with the guns. So like in Final Fantasy, where you've got gun blades and that kind of thing, have like like the Smith and Western is a huge, big, badass sword with a revolver built into the hilt of it. So you stab someone and then you shoot them and all that kind of thing. I think that could be pretty badass. And then you can have your sort of Ned Kellys in your armor and all that kind of thing as well. And sort of, you know, with bullets pinging off them, all that kind of thing. A Gatling gun could be something that's also infused with magic and all that kind of stuff as well. A little bit Malifaux, I guess, as well. In that. <laughs> Damn it, Malifaux's done it. (laughs) (laughs) But like more like fantasy fantasy rather than sort of. Uh I think Western cyberpunk would work because it's pretty well. It it could be a bit nuts. It'd just be lasers and it'd be be advanced Western. (laughs) It would. Lasers all over the place. That's that's what what cyberpunk is. I told you, graffiti and neons. But that. Oh, you could do the, the, the traditional strongman, but he's like cybernetically enhanced. Oh, so he's got see? like big grafted muscles and things like that. He's a cheater. It then, would work. He's not a strong man. He's a cheater. Yeah, well, he's a rich cheater. Yeah. It's outrageous. <laughs> what about you, Jerry? Um, I really like westerns because they're westerns. But if if I was going to go for one, I would go for um, horror. So add in your werewolves, your unusual mythical American creatures coming from the the First Nations. You've got your um, undead cowboys and stuff kicking around the place. Because I was a big fan of Deadlands back in the day, the RPG. So having what about a Wild West meets Walking Dead? Yeah, Yeah, kind of thing. Apocalyptic Wild West. Yeah, just need to be pushed apocalyptic, you know. Just well, yeah. it's just because we've seen cowboys versus aliens and uh, uh, and stuff. So you know, yeah, it, James, it, James Bond fought them. He did. Uh, yeah. 
So there's, um, there's lots of lots of little crossover. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do like the idea the uh, of the the werewolves. I think that could be interesting. That's nice. You know, almost like um, Dracula's America. Really, yeah. So, really. Yeah. But I like the idea of right. So there's two ways you can go with the with the the zombies. You either go with the Walking Dead kind of zombies where <laughs> it's the numbers that ultimately get you at the end of the day. So it's how you move around or you go for the 28 days later kind of rage. Speedy things. Yeah. 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 Unless we um, forget the, uh, the Wendigo is native American folklore. Yeah. That's, that's cannibals who become superhuman mm-hmm. uh, monsters. So that's, that's always good. You'd have there's always uh, the giants aspect. Cause remember there's, um, Oh, let's talk about the Smithsonian covering up all of the evidence of the archaeological evidence of giants and how the Native Americans burned a bunch of giants to death in a cave and stuff like that there. So big feet. There's big feats as well. Lots of big feats. Big people. So yeah, I like I that. I like that. I think I, yeah. I just as if if you were just thinking, if you if you were gonna pick them up. And while you want to do something alternative, Wild West, where could you go? So well, there's pirates, the pirates, definitely pirates. Pirate Just the same West. thing, but on the water. There's only a hundred years worth of difference uh, in it. So there you go. Same thing on the water. Right. What's next? Uh, so we're going to be capping things off, uh, moving away from the Wild West, uh, back to the realm of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we do, because uh, fantasy is amazing, as I said at the beginning. Uh, and we're going to be looking at Return to Dark Tower, but not the board game, the fantasy role-playing game. Okay? Ah. So, a lot of people will remember, oh, FBI warning. No, yes. <laughs> you wouldn't steal this video. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people will know uh, Return to Dark Tower, and Dark Tower itself was an old classic retro game that was redone uh, recently by uh, Restoration Games, mm. now available for retail, big, cool, cool, awesome electronic tower and all that kind of thing uh, for sort of telling awesome adventures and stuff on the tabletop, questing against evil villains. Well, ninth level have got involved alongside the creators of the uh, resurgence of that game, so return to Dark Tower to create the RPG game. So this is for three to five. Oh, sorry, for a, a bunch of players, however many you wanted. You can do it two player if you really wanted to, uh, <laughs> where you'll be playing out a sort of fantasy campaign, but it's a little bit more structured than your typical RPG game, mm-hmm. effectively. So you know how normally with RPG campaigns, you play for six months and then you stop. And then everyone gives up and goes off and does whatever. Yeah. But you've played like 25 games and the story didn't really resolve. Yeah. But in this, they've done it so it links a little bit more into the kind of board game experience. So you actually play between three and five games, which are self-contained to fighting one particular great evil adversary that's been designed by the game. And again, mm-hmm. based on the kind of uh, the board game stuff that they've done in the past over the last couple of years. So what will happen is the GM the dungeon master will take on the role of one of these adversaries, again, based on those from the board game. Everyone else will then take on roles similar to those from the board game itself. So you'll have fighters and alchemists and wizards and all that kind of thing. Standard style of kind of fantasy fare in that regard. But the really nice thing about this is they've very much gone for that kind of old school feel to the game whilst also playing around with uh, kind of um, modern techniques. So mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of modern twist on this is what's called the polymorph system. Uh, so this is what powered one of their previous games called Mazes. The idea with this is that you don't have 
uh, like a whole suite of poly dice for your character, you have one. So you say you're the fighter, your dice is the D8 or something mm. like that. That dice is then used for everything that you do, for every test that you do, for everything you resolve, everything. Again, sort of tying things in a little bit to that kind of board game mechanic kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. quite nice. On top of that, the game isn't just about um, the back and forth of combat encounters and social interactions and all that kind of thing. It's actually based around the idea of managing things on a wider scale. So you'll be recruiting people and then you'll have to roll to see how well you do that based on your role-playing efforts and all that kind of thing. Because you're trying to be sort of, you're trying to bring forth, you know, armies and warbands and all that kind of thing to take down the greater adversary at the end of it. So there's a really nice sort of board gaming mechanic to the role-playing game, whilst also having this interesting timer of that you've only got between three and five games to do this. So in your first one, you're kind of like setting out to try and find out what the big bad is and looking at its weaknesses and then over the next couple of them you're building up your forces and then using your characters and their roles and their abilities in order to then create an awesome not just a hero warband but like armies to then fight the big bad mm-hmm. at the very end of it which i think is a really nice way of approaching it mm-hmm. and that was the thing that really sold me on 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 this campaign and having a look at it in a little bit more detail was the idea that it's a role-playing game where you know there's an end point you know that you know you could set aside time with you and your friends over maybe a month to play through this and to complete it and do it, which I think is something that a lot of us don't really have the luxury of doing. But if maybe you've got a good board game group or something that meets every week or something, yeah. instead of playing your normal board games, situate you know slip this in, still got all those kind of board game mechanics going on in the background, but then also the role play stuff on top of it. I think it'd be really yeah. nice. Um, and as you, as you can see here, there is a, a preview document you can go and look through so you can learn a little bit about the mechanics and how it all works and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's all, the, the Kickstarter page also has a whole bunch of um, sort of actual plays for you to go and watch. So you can go and see how the system works in, uh, without having to read, which is always good. You're elected to, to lead, not to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it looks like a really fun sort of twist on your traditional um, kind of fantasy RPG that again sort of feeds into this sort of old school um feel that you get from return to dark tower and all that kind of thing as well yeah. so if, you, if, you've been, if you've been enjoying that board game and you want to try something a little bit different maybe give this a shot and see what you think it even comes with a really cool dice tower that is the dark tower and into the board which is very nice so yeah, there you very, go. Um, it acts as a dice tower it's very cool yeah. it's very reminiscent <laughs> of um like a choose your own adventure book yes but yeah yeah. Sort of- yeah 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 it's sort of it sort of sits in that realm i think it's a really nice one nice way to sort of describe it yeah very cool. Yeah. Probably handy for new uh, RPG players mm. and, and GMs yeah. because yeah. it seems to be a bit more structured yeah. and yeah. on rails. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like it could have been easy for them to just be like, "Well, let's make this five E or something," and yeah. just yeah, yeah, yeah. and take take the world and the art of Return to Dark Tower and just be like, oh, "Let's make it a five E version of that." But but in fact, they've just decided to go with something a little bit a bit more bespoke in that regard uh. when it comes to the mechanics. And uh, and have fun with it there. So yeah, um, it's it, it's fully funded. It's got about just under a week left in it from the time you're looking at it here. But uh, I think it's well worth having a look at, especially if you're someone who uh, oh six 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 back six, at the six, time. Six, wow, six. <laughs> <laughs> amazing! The great adversary is the Kickstarter campaign itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looks really fun and it's well worth having a, a peek at if you're interested in fantasy role playing games with a twist. There we go. Happy days. Hmm. That wraps us up for another week. I hope you enjoyed your journey with us. It's been a delight. Uh, We'll be back again next week as normal. 
Or if you want to come and join us on Sunday morning for the XLBS, our little backstage for the Cult of Games members, where we kick back, relax, and drink as much coffee as needs be to keep us awake in the early hours of Sunday morning, Sometimes then you can do that as well. Uh, don't forget to check out the Prize Claim Centre over on the on Tabletop site, because there's a bunch of UK Games Expo prizes on there uh, that people have won. I haven't claimed yet. I will put a link to it oh. down in the YouTube description mm. and on, on Tabletop. So if you, if you are looking for a link to try and find it, there will be one there. I yeah. will not forget. Keep, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for that. No. Uh, but until next week, have a great week of gaming. Bye-bye. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.